Hello, everybody, and welcome to the MPL Victoria pod here on FNR Football Nation Radio. Nick Tabano and Lockie Flanagan here with some Unbelievable. very good music. This guy has, has one, one run on ESPN. He's already going for the first take style song. Well, we're, we're I left it in his hands. Hey. He was like, what music do we want to use? I'm like, it's do you in know, your hands, mate. This do you is know what, what playlist called. I found this on? Like, take a guess. I don't want to know. It was called, I can see it on the screen. Was, I don't want to answer this it question. It was called Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, beautiful. So we're, we're Great definitely start fire. to an NPL Victoria podcast. Well, we had to fight Traditionally, some. a footballing league. Yes. Real football. Yes, yes. But we just need to get fired up here. We need to get excited. There's a lot of exciting things happening today. It's our first ever episode here on FNR Football it Nation is. Radio. They always say that, say that the uh, the best time to start is 18 rounds into the uh, the Premier Men's competition. No better time Absolutely. to start Absolutely. Well, that. the call went out. They said we need some more MPL Victoria content out there. And as it's true. You know, you can't have enough podcasts in the, in the realm of MPL Victoria. And today, Lockie, we can't kick this off in an even bigger fashion than what we've got set up right now. In about five minutes' time, we'll be joined by Oakley Cannon's uh, striker and Golden Boot leading forward, Wade Decker, who is going to join us fresh off scoring a hat-trick on the weekend, Lockie, against Altona Magic. He was unbelievable, and he has been all season. So looking forward to chatting to Wade in a few minutes' time. We'll also be uh, getting a few special guests in throughout the, the, the evening to sprinkle in their thoughts of the weekend. We had some some of our good friends of the show, Lockie, including our producer, Oscar, who is a... Uh, out there right now. Actually, not. we'll say day to Oscar. He's actually mic'd up outside. Oscar, can you hear me, mate? Can you hear me? Give us a give, give us a, a little bit. You got your mic out there? I, I can hear you. There we go. Welcome. Welcome to the show, Oscar. Great to have you on. Thank, thank you. I appreciate that. How are you, Nick? I am feeling fantastic, mate. Fantastic that we're all here today. We're all ready to go for a, a new show. Obviously, you've seen quite a bit throughout the weekend, and we'll be getting to you a little bit later on because you've been keeping your eye on a certain academy team as well, and we've had some questions come through about them as well. So, Oscar, we'll come back to you a little bit later on in the show, and uh, we'll uh, delve into that in probably about half an hour or 40 minutes' time. Yeah, looking forward to it. I mean, Oscar has been keeping his uh, his ears to the ground where the NPL3 is concerned. So, too, Josh Parrish, who will join us later, not only to talk about the NPL3, but about our match of the round, and that's our commitment. We're always going to try and yes. get someone who is involved with the match of the round to, to come and speak to us. And this week, it was absolutely Heidelberg United up against the Melbourne Knights. The Burgers running out 3-2 winners, but we'll leave that game for now. We'll save the best till last. Yeah, Nick, it was a, a big weekend of fixtures that we've got to run through. Shall yep. we start in chronological order before we get to Wade and Josh later? We shall. We'll go a bit of a speed round, I reckon, because uh, we... We haven't timed our uh, – we, we've got our timings a little bit wrong, just getting things all set up. So we're going to go Well, a bit, what do you expect? We started this 18 rounds into the yes, NPL but, men's but, season. But also, so. like, we'll go a little bit later. We'll, we'll go beyond the 7 o'clock and we'll uh, we'll make sure that we can uh, get into everything properly. But, Lockie, let's start off chronologically, shall we? Yeah. Let's well, start off on Friday night. It all kicked off Friday night, 8 p.m., Green Gully 1, Avondale 1. Well, now, you were there. I was there alongside Katie Lambeski. And I can, t- I can tell you honestly – this was one of, obviously, you always have big expectations with a fourth v fifth fixture. Yes. Right? Anytime two teams are not only in the final spots, but alongside one another on the table, your expectations are always high. This game was genuinely one of the best games that I have watched all season. It, it was a bit of profligacy on the count of both sides, short of being a for-all thriller that dominated the conversation all week. Because it was it was two teams 
uh, Stephen Downs' Green Gully and Zoran Mikoski's Avondale, who played in a really – they're known for playing a, a sort of a positive possession mm. brand of football. And what happened was they didn't shy away from that at all. You know, either team could have been forgiven for going, oh, we'll play it a little bit more conservatively because this team likes to play the same way as us. Let's try and, you know, um, suffocate them. But nope, this was high octane, frenetic, like high pressing from both sides, uh, 90 minutes of, of football. And I think Green Gully were actually the better side the better side on the day. They were absolutely blitzing Avondale in th- inside the opening 30 minutes of this game. Avondale could barely get the ball out of their own defensive half for the mm. first 15. Uh, Gully had a goal inside the opening two minutes ruled out for offside. Eventually, they did find the breakthrough uh, through Luke Jago, a very, very nice finish into the top right corner in transition, which was a deserved lead for them. And then I think right after that, on the other side of things, Yusuf Ahmed hit the post and I think Stefan Zinni missed an open goal from the same play. And then Alex Salmon had a penalty. He missed the penalty, which is something you almost never say about, about Alex Salmon. And look, he will live, I think, to, to rue this one for a very, very long time because obviously he doesn't score that penalty. Could have made it 2-0 right before the break. And then after a much more even second half, Avondale really turned things around. They made a triple substitution with Kalalu Kamara, Joey Katabian, and Stefan Valentini all coming off the bench in one swoop mm. to really, really balance things out. And eventually, after getting a few chances on goals, Manny Agwek scoring in the 90, 90th minute yeah. to save a point. But it was just unironically, wow, what a game. Well, it was. And I mean, for Avondale... It's not been an ideal season for them on uh, on two fronts, Lockie. We know that we're not only playing for one trophy, we're actually playing for two. And um, they've let slip at least uh, being in command of the 2021 championship that they fought so hard to, you know, get the, to get the chance of competing for this season or be rewarded as being the Premier's. Um, but unfortunately for them, this season as well, it hasn't gone to script. I mean, they're fifth. They're still in finals contention, but they're 12 points behind South Melbourne and seven point, or eight points sorry, behind Oakley. So they're right off the pace and looking like they're going to be competing at least for an elimination final this year. Um, they're going to announce the new signing, though. So we, we did promise that we are going to wait until after 7 p.m., and we're going to find out exactly who this new signing is. Well, I notice. Uh, look, let's see what happens at full time. But I notice in the little graphic they used that the the G was there was a little tiny hollowed out you, G behind it. And so I'm wondering if GG are maybe the initials. I'm thinking. Look, I, I could look like an idiot by the time we get to to 7 p.m. GG. How many how many players do you know with the the initials GG? Uh, there's not many. George Jack and Marcus, who plays oh, for yeah. Celtic. That's, we can probably one. draw there's a line through him. But Avondale, Italian club, mm-hmm. probably need a defender. They've mm-hmm. had none of their defenders up till uh, Friday night had played more than 13 games of a possible 18 this season. So they've been really, really injury hit. And that's part of the reason their downturn has been the way it has this year. But an Italian, you know, defender with Italian roots, former A-League experience, Giancarlo Galafuoco. Yeah. Perhaps. Potentially. I could look in, in, in forty five minutes time I could look like a fool, but that's just uh just something I'm gonna a little prediction I'm gonna throw out into the wind. But yeah, the twenty twenty one title is also well and truly under threat because there's one game left to go. Oakley are on top. One game left to go mm. for both of these sides. Uh Oakley have got to play South Melbourne 
at Lakeside. That's their final 2021 catch-up game, while Avondale play Port Melbourne. So two tough games for those two sides to close out. But Oakley currently two points ahead with one 2021 game left to play. Mm. It's going to be interesting when it comes down to it in a few weeks' time. So I think Oakley play first from memory. I think they play South Melbourne in a couple weeks. And then Avondale play Port Melbourne about a week after that. Um, Lockie, we're still waiting for Wade Decker, so we'll continue with the review of the round for the time being. Uh, St. Albans and Bentley, nil-nil in under lights yeah. at, at Churchill Reserve. So under we lights. haven't seen I, under I, lights before in St. Albans, but it's a nice little change. It looked, it looked pretty good, to yeah, be honest with you. I, 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 I enjoyed it. I did. I checked it at half time because I thought, oh, I, you know, you, you always wonder how a pitch is, is going to look under lights. You just always have that curiosity. It's like, I wonder... What would, what would Gardner's Creek Reserve exactly, look like under lights? Exactly. These are the, these are the kind like of things lights. that, you know, um, pique, pique my interest. And to be honest, it, it looked pretty good. Unfortunately, on the scoreboard, the game didn't quite deliver no. the Friday night under lights spectacle that, mm. that many would have been hoping for out at, at Fox Street. But, you know, that's a, a good result in the end for, for St Albans to take a point off the Bentley Greens. I'm, I'm not surprised that it happened because – we know how sort of compact of a team St Albans are. And sometimes, you know, when you're a possession-based side, we've seen Avondale actually uh, have struggles with St Albans earlier this season for similar reasons. When you do come up against those compact sides who make themselves hard to break down, it's not always easy to get to get the cut through. And I think this showed for, for Bentley this time around. And unfortunately for them, they drop out of the top six as a result. And obviously it's still neck and neck between them and Burgers for that final yeah. spot in the top six. By the end of the year, it might end up being someone else. But it would really be crazy to think about it, to have the reigning champions. From 2019. To have the reigning champions <laughs> yeah. of the MPL Victoria miss out on the finals. Well, it's funny because I made the joke last year that when Bentley, when, when the season got cancelled, that Bentley winning, still being champions is like, Everyone used to watch wrestling as a kid or still watch wrestling. I don't know. Some people still watch wrestling. I do not. But, you, know, go you, for know, it, you know how like in wrestling when the, it's a title match, the, the champion has to be pinned and they can technically lose the match by disqualification, but the title doesn't change hands. So they'll get hit by like a steel chair because the other person get really frustrated, hit him with a steel chair or, or like, you know, they'll, or they'll lose. No, sorry. Bentley lose by disqualification. But they're still champions. Well, I said so like they don't get pinned, mm. and they're still champions. They technically lost the match, That's so true. they're technically champions all the way through until now. That's the analogy I thought. So it's like you know how it was always like, and the winner of this match is such and such. Well, but still, <laughs> on that subject, on that subject, actually, I do know exactly what you're talking about. On that subject, I realised this week we've played as many games this season as we played in 2021. So we've yeah. officially reached it. This weekend, we will clear the bar for the amount of games played. And, I mean, having looked back at this season, it would have almost been enough to, to declare a, a... A champion. To declare a winner. So maybe mm. Bentley Green's a bit lucky to stay on that. As but I, I I said, you know, it's a battle between them and Heidelberg for that final spot. I mean, Avondale are only on 31 points. Green Gully only on 32. There's four points separating fourth all the way down to seventh and then a yeah. buffer of five points between Bentley and Altona. So... The Greens, are, they're out of the 6-4 now, but they're not completely out of it. There's no, no guarantee. I think I think the final six will probably 
stay as it is now. Of course, there is still... Lockie, we haven't gotten into predictions yet. There is still still mid-season transfer windows to go, but I wouldn't be surprised to see it stay as it it does, but maybe with Heidelberg even pushing up the table because they're in red-hot form. Well, Bentley um, Bentley announced the signing today of Christopher Drustus from Eastern Lions. Will Costa follow there? That's the question. Well, they're a package deal. Uh, Costa hasn't seen the pitch at all this season for Eastern Lions. He's been injured. The two of them have had rotten luck with injury. Yes. But Chris Drusis returning to Bentley where he started his career and obviously uh, rose to prominence at Eastern Lions in their promotion push and has been one of their better players when he's been on the pitch. But it's been a question of actually staying on the pitch. Mm. For him, it's not been a matter of what he can do when he's on it. Well, Nick, on the subject of... of uh, of the Drutzis twins. Shall we move over to Gardner's Creek? Because you were there yes, for a I relegation <laughs> six-pointer, probably the most important fixture for both of these sides, yep. particularly for the Eastern Lions. This was pretty much do or die for them. And unfortunately, you know, Eastern Lions nil, Dandenong City two. It looks well, like uh, they might be dead. Yeah, I. it would take an absolute miracle and that's even putting it lightly. I, what, what's beyond the miracle? Is there anything beyond the miracle out there in the in the whole wide world? I don't even think so. I think the miracle is the first you can go. It would take a miracle on top of a miracle. It would take basically um, Andrea Lombardo walking across water and then him, you know, feeding, you know, getting, taking two fish and five loaves and feeding a thousand people. Goodness me. Um, for them to stay up this season. It has been a rotten year for them and their form has just not been anywhere near it. 15 games now without a win. Um, their last win coming all the way back, I think now in, well, we'll be back in round three. Um, and they started the season relatively okay. Like they looked all right against Oakley in those early games. They got that win, but my God, they've been disappointing, especially at home. Well, what about they, in, in this they, game, Nick? Did they put yeah, up well, much well, of a this fight is, against This is Andy the City? interesting part. So looking at this game, there were moments when you thought Eastern Lions were actually on top. In the first half, they actually looked all right. Like, there were some moments when you thought, okay, they're pushing, but their final ball is, is lacking. But there were some very, very questionable decisions on the team sheet from Andrea Lombardo. Um, not starting Ryan Losty, who is their top goal scorer this year and is easily their best player. Charlie Fry on the bench as well, which, again, what are you doing there? Like, we know they've gone for the kids this year. They've kind of accepted where they are. And they've gone for the more youthful approach. But this was uh, a game that they could win. This is a game they had a really good opportunity mm. to win this game. They... Their final ball lacks so much. And Marcus Demanche, if he's not doing it when Ryan Losty's not there, then forget about it. You know, the yeah. others aren't going to be able to pick up the slack. Ioannis Georgiopoulos worked, worked his tail off, but he couldn't get the ball into good areas. And with Steven Topalovic back for Dandy City, who was just marshalling everything yeah. and just not allowing. He was brilliant. Yeah, the week he was, before he was as well. sensational and easily, my opinion, man of the match. But we're, we're burying the lead. The, the goal that gave Dandy City the lead was absolutely incredible because when Dandy City broke, they always looked threatening because yeah. we've seen Eastern Lions defense is, is leaking goals like a sieve at the moment. Um, so we saw, you know, the, the ball come out in a clearance, you know, great ball into the area for Marco Dalic and Cooper Legrand. What a finish it was. Just, it wasn't really a bicycle or a scissor. He just kind of threw his foot at it and it went over his back shoulder and in. And from there, Dandy City always looked like that they were going to at least win the game. As much as there was like a five to ten minute push where Eastern Lions looked like they were starting to build their way into the game, it never really felt like they were going to score. And that was concerning for me. Um, even when they brought, they made a triple change, they brought on Ryan Losty, they brought on um, the young fella Alessandro uh, 
His name's forgetting me. Damilio? Damilio. Uh, some Damilio who got injured after oh, only Italian, a matter of minutes. Nick. You can't forget things like that. I was about to call him... Most um, people don't was, know how to pronounce it. You've got to be there. I was about to call him Migliorini for a second, but I realised <laughs> it's Damilio. Look, it's, it's late, but my brain's fried. And they also brought on the youngster Mullins as well, and they went for the game, and they started to ask a few questions of the Dandy City mm. defence, but they weren't able to open them up. And you could see the frustration building and building. They were winning a lot of set pieces. They were... You know, Adam LePage, I think, maybe had about eight or nine free kicks. It was unbelievable the amount of chances they were getting uh, from dead balls, but they weren't able to do anything with it. And then the goal they conceded, well, from our position, if you've commentated at Gardner's Creek Reserve or you've been to Gardner's Creek Reserve, if you're not on the grandstand side and you're on the scoreboard side, it is very hard to see when the sun's setting what's happening on the far side because the sun is right directly in your eyesight and you cannot see a thing. So... The ball apparently went out before the cross came in to Delano Ferro for the winner. Really? Costa Stratomitros lost it. And when I mean so lost it, when I mean he lost it, he blew a gasket. He had had enough. The frustration just boiled over. You know, the Dandy City players, they, they were giving it to the they were sort of riling up Stratomitros. The frustration was boiling over. Gets a yellow card for shoving one of the Dandy City players when they were celebrating. I don't know. I forgot which player it was, but he, he shoved him in the commotion, then was mouthing off at the referee. Now, mind you, the Eastern Lions players were at the referee all game. You know, the referee made some questionable decisions, but nothing, there was nothing really. There was a one moment where Charlie Fryer copped a whack in the face. There was nothing really in terms of like a missed penalty or anything. But yeah. with that one, with the linesman not seeing the ball was potentially out, it did cost them a goal. Stratomitros went over to the referee. He was yelling, he was yelling, he was yelling. Referee had enough. Gave him a second yellow in a matter of seconds. Yeah. And off he was. Well, because I saw, I saw this. I wasn't able to watch the Saturday afternoon games, but I was watching it back on, on Sports TG. And uh, I was trying, I was like, yellow card 69th minute, red card 70th minute. Like, mm. what has happened to you? But yeah, just crazy. Like, y- often you see the referee sort of exercise a bit of discretion after they've booked someone for dissent initially. They're like, okay, you can have a few seconds of mouthing off and. I'll let you sort of get it out of your system, but you've got the card there. Yeah. But no, not not this time. Second yellow. Yeah, he was Crazy. just gone. And then after that, you know, the life was kind of sucked out of the Eastern Lions. And Lockie, I was amazed having a look at this stat, but they haven't got a single point at home this season. Oh, a just... single point. They have lost each of their last 10 games at home, a run that goes back to June last year. It's looking likely it's going to pick up. Sad, isn't it? It is really sad because they have played more players than any other team this season. They've, they've looked towards the youth. They've given a lot of kids opportunities. Um, based off what I've been told by the club, they are going to announce a few signings in this transfer period. There were a couple that have to remain unnamed that were, that were doing run-throughs and warm-ups with the players before the game. There were some that were there. But again, that has to stay under wraps for now. I but mean, they will announce them in the coming days. They're hoping they'll be playing this weekend. But looking at their run... Their form, they haven't won in 15. They're seven points inside now. Um, Andrea Lombardo's not been able to, to get the team back on side after, you know, obviously taking over from Kosti Pushkashu. I can tell you, getting ready to... Uh, and um, I think I think that the, the writing's the on the roll, Lockie. Mm. I think that they're getting ever closer towards the drop and um, it's a matter to see who joins them because Dandy City, on the other hand, Lockie, well, we're, we're not talking enough about them. I mean, with by making the bold decision of not starting Gavin Denise and, and going with a different look in midfield, 
they looked really good. Like defensively, they looked better with with uh, Steven Topalovic in the team. It's certainly going to help them out in terms of getting important points. Um, going forward, they looked threatening. They had a couple really good chances. Marco Dalic probably should have made it three. Um, you know, uh, John McShane got himself in a couple of decent areas. We know he hasn't had a great season. Um, but there's enough quality in that front line that really can cause damage between Delic, uh, Faro, uh, Legrand. There's a lot of exciting yeah, Legrand's players. A, Legrand's an interesting one. He's a, he's a mercurial talent yes. for me. Like his, his ceiling, uh, even back from his sort of uh, Kingston days uh, when they were, you know, relegated in, in the NPL, like his ceiling is very high. Like he's a, he, he's yeah. got the ability at n- not just technically but sort of the the football brain, you know, to, mm. to be a super player. But it's about that sort of A, staying healthy well, yeah. and B, getting consistent output. Yeah. But his and best is, as we saw on the weekend with that goal, really good. Yeah, and also, you know, shout out to Brady Quinn, who I thought was very good in attacking yes. midfield as well. He's been a very handy pickup for them. Has so been. They're looking all right under Luban Palanic, who has taken over on interim basis uh, since uh, Mickey Chulina left the club. Um, he's got the team playing is it enough, decent though? football. Is it enough? I, I, I still worry because it is a three. Well, it's now really a two-horse race to stay up. It's really between them and Hume City. And, look, they beat Hume a few weeks ago. You called that game. Um, obviously, the big thing for them that Dandy City have is they have a lot of players with a lot of individual quality. Nick Kalmar, um, as we mentioned, Legron, we mentioned Farrow, we mentioned Brady Quinn. They've got match winners, and that's key in these sort of games. That's what they had in Eastern Lions in have. Eastern Lions in have a player who could pick the game up with the scruff of the neck and get them over the line. And we've seen a lot of games this season. You know, there's, we've seen some some good signs in some games, especially early in the season against Oakley, the reverse fixture against Oakley. They've shown some signs that they can, they, they can cause some problems. But the issue is that once they concede, the heads drop, they get frustrated, and the quality just isn't there. So, unfortunately for them, it's looking like they're going to probably be going down. While well, the, Hume, other, the other thing to consider, though, about, about Dandy City is what did they do in 2019 or in 2019 when they were in the same position? Well, they stayed up. They stayed up. But mm. do you remember how they did it? Yeah, they made some very, they very handy signs. They signed Adrian Leia, Carl Valeri, and, and Brendan Santalab. Yeah. They have form for, for the big name sort of relegation-saving mm. signing. I know. I know the the window is a lot later this time around. Could they do it? Potentially. Is it something they could consider? Potentially, Lockie. What we're going to do is we're going to leave that for just a second. Um, we apologise. We haven't been able to get uh, Wade on just yet. We're still working on. You know, hopefully he'll be able to to come on at some stage. Um, in the meantime, though, Lockie, we'll take a quick break. What we'll do is we'll come back on the other side of it. We'll go through the rest of MPL 1 and we'll start to take our eye towards some of the lower tiers, MPL 2, MPL 3. We might even get uh, our good friend Josh Parrish on the line very, very soon Mm. to talk about the game of the round. So don't go anywhere here on the MPL Victoria pod on FNR Football Nation Radio. We'll be back in just a second. Worried we're gonna get claimed by ESPN. <laughs> Kevin Harlan. <laughs> you just spoke about TNT. Kevin oh. Harlan's on TNT, Lockie. Oh, uh, see, I don't no. know enough basketball. This is, this is uh well. I need to I, stop I, making I, I, references. Way, this is royalty free music, Lockie. We, what do you think we are? We think we we, we uh you know you think we use I'm we expecting will I use? I don't know. Kenny the Jet Smith to start speaking now. <laughs> I have some really strong opinion. Like Mike Breen or something <laughs> like that's going to see our bang. 
All right, Lockie. Uh, so unfortunately for those watching at home and listening, um, we haven't been able to get a hold of Wade Decker. So it looks like we're not going to be able to get him on this week. We'll try to move him on for next week. But um, we do have our own six degrees of separation person joining us to Wade Decker because we've got the next best thing. The man who played Church's Leagues against Wade Decker, uh, Josh Parrish, who will, who will join us shortly. Yeah, no, absolutely. And Josh will be able to tell us all about the our game of the round between Heidelberg and Melbourne Knights on Sunday yes. down at the Olympic Village. Josh was one of two commentators that were down there on Sunday. Well, Obviously, no, one. You, one. One. He was supposed to be one of two. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about FE. I'm talking ah, about one of two streams. Well, three commentators because yes. you're not mentioning John Fodenos as well. Oh, as sorry, Greg I meant Blake. play by plays. I mean, we've got, so, got to feature them all. All right, so. He was one of three commentators, but one of two commentators. Wherever, if you weren't there, you caught it on MPL.TV or if you caught it on um, HUFC TV, um, you know, with uh, with Greg Blake. Um, I'm sure that was – either way, however you caught it, it was certainly an entertaining game nonetheless. Anyway, though, before we do that, we've got two more NPL Victoria men's Absolutely. games to, to whip through. I was through. just getting to that one, Where should we start? Because we had two Saturday 7 p.m.s. Uh, Hume City 1, South Melbourne 3, probably the easiest yeah, place to start. Yeah, well, I was going to say, we just came out of Eastern Lions, Dandy City. We may as well just go to Hume versus South Melbourne because that game had permutations at both ends of the table. It did. It did. Uh, South Melbourne keeping themselves nice and comfortable. Quite a, quite a comfortable win. Three goals yes. in the first half. Yeah. Easy as you like. Marcus Schroen, though. Oh, my goodness. What a goal. Yeah, well, doing it against his uh, old club, always yeah. good to see. I j- my favourite thing about his goal... <laughs> that he took it off the feet this of Alan is the Webb. way he stole it off Alan Webb. Like, Alan Webb took this great first touch to set himself for a right-footed shot. Maybe might have even had a chance to go into his left, set someone up. But off he marched. <laughs> In fact, he didn't even get the chance to march off. Marcus Schroen just saw the ball laid down to him perfectly and he thought thanks very much Webby I'll uh, smack that one off you and he did he scored a ripping goal and it was funny to watch that South Melbourne put out some like secondary camera footage from behind the goals that showed Alan Webb uh, as the goal went in and he was celebrating a bit Mm. but like not as much as you might expect and I can kind of understand that but yeah uh, look uh, South Melbourne maybe could have had a, a few more goals in this game, mm. but a good result for them. It keeps them top. I mean, Hume lose. Yes, they're back in the relegation zone, but I don't think it's I don't think it's the end of the the world. No. For them. I mean, they've played two very solid teams back to back, and I mean, at least against Avondale, ran them very very close. But the reason I say it's not all doom and gloom for for Hume is that was an <laughs> accidental rhyme. I, apologies to everyone who's watching or listening. Uh, looking at, I just took a took the liberty of looking through the ah, runs yes. home for both Hume and Dandy City. Hume City, the reason I'm not so nervous for them is because let's start with Dandy. Final games of the season. Dandy Derby Dandy Derby this Saturday. Yeah. City then go on to play Oakley, Altona, Port Melbourne, Heidelberg, Avondale, South Melbourne, and Bentley Greens. Mm-hmm. So they're playing pretty much all the teams in the top end of the table. They're playing the top eight teams with the exception of Thunder. The only team they're not playing in that list is Gully. Yeah. Who they already lost 4-1 to. So that is that is about as tough of a run home as you could hope to have. Because even the easiest game there, which you would say is probably Altona Magic, they are still a really, really solid defensive team. Super, super hard to break down. So that's a tough run home. Hume, on the other hand, Bentley Greens this weekend, not an ideal game, but if they approach it the right way, they can get a result because they have been more competitive. 
Knights, St Albans, Heidelberg, Green Gully, Eastern Lions, which is crucial, mm. Dandy Thunder, and Oakley to end the season. I don't know. One of those seems a lot more straightforward of a run home than. than and it seems like Hume City are playing Eastern Lions on their preferred deck, aka Gardner's Creek Reserve, because Eastern Lions have just not been able to, to get anything there. Um, I think, as you as you mentioned, right now it's only one point separating Dandy City and, and Hume City. It's certainly one race to keep an eye on. I wouldn't say that it's definitely over by any stretch. We know that there is still eight games to go or, or sorry, but eight games. Yeah. Eight games. I'm just trying to get my maths right for a second, but yes. eight games left. Um, a lot on the line there between those two teams. I get a feeling it's going to go right down to the wire between the two of them. I'm very curious to keep an eye on what mm. signings coming for both. Yeah. It does also depend on who, well. who comes in. I mean, human already welcomed back a uh, familiar face in Harry Monaghan. Yes. So he comes into the defence, yes. but Dandy City might be priming themselves for well, some Steve, even bigger levels than that. Just on Dandy City, like bringing Steven Topalovic back is like a new signing. It is. Arsene, Arsene Wenger like would signing. definitely say if he was Dandy City manager yeah. that he is like a new signing. Let's quickly race into Dandy Thunder versus Port Melbourne. Port Melbourne winning again 2-0. They're the real surprises of this season. They've always been thereabouts in the finals race, but they are really pushing this year in third Best defense in the competition, not necessarily the best attack, but they get the job done based off, you know, working off that amazing defensive record they've got. They put the game away in the first half with goals from Ross Archibald and Jordan Courtney Perkins. Nonetheless, big win for them. Dandy Thunder in that mid-table purgatory at the moment. They're not like in the race for finals right now but they're not in the hunt to get relegated. They're just sort of yeah. comfortable in the I th- middle. I think, unfortunately, we did have a, a good stretch where it was like from the top four down, really, really tight from like fourth down to 10th. We have sort of seen, um, you know, the wheat from the chaff kind of separate mm. a little bit. And so now we do have that five-point gap between the Greens in seventh and then Altona in eighth. Yeah, unfortunately, I think Dandy Th- uh, Thunder season, which just started with so much promise, has... Petered out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, no doubt the injury to, to Florent Andalessio early on uh, hampers things because he's the, the kind of guy that you build around. I'm pretty sure he's back in France now actually recovering um, from from the injury. So that, that doesn't help. But, yeah, it just hasn't hasn't quite clicked, I think, for, for David Chick at, at Thunder. I don't know. It feels like that. there's a – I still really rate David Chick very highly. Uh, I still think maybe it's a longer-term thing. They can go on to, to build next season. But, yeah, there's just a little bit of my read of the, the weather vane at George Andrews. Is there's a little bit of of discontent. But, yeah. look, the focus should be less about Thunder at the moment. It should be more about Port Melbourne. The Sharkies. are putting together an excellent season. And it's funny because you say they haven't scored that many goals. And, yes, it is true. I think they've scored the least amount of goals of any side in the top six this year, albeit by a margin of two behind Green Gully. But they're still a good side. Like, they're still a good side to watch. They play a nice brand of football. They could certainly score more goals than they have. And they did obviously uh, go through quite a long period of the season, missing their star striker in Chris Duggan, who is now back. Did get an injury, though. Yeah. Uh, so he's touch and go for this weekend. But... They're playing a really good brand of football. They're defending really well. Josh Wilkins has looked excellent. The people they brought in have really, really made this side quite strong. Luca Tafir has been really solid as well. And, yeah, they scored a very pretty goal for their second, and they'll go into that game they've got this week um, against the Oakley Cannons full of confidence. And I don't know fancy massive themselves game. for three points, and it's they'd be into second.
Yeah, and who well, would who would have thought that at the start of the season? Well, if they good would? segue, Lockie, because let's talk about Oakley. Obviously, we haven't got Wade tonight, the man who did score a hat trick on that game. It yeah. seems like when he scores, he only scores in. Um, well, he, bags, literally, he literally does. Only scores hat tricks. Um, his three goals were enough to get the three points against Altona Magic. Very weird seeing an Oakley game on a Saturday night. Talking about difference in uh, scheduling. Obviously, yeah. Friday night at St Albans, Saturday night in Oakley. Um, another win for them right now. Right in amongst it with South Melbourne's but right in the still not clear of Port Melbourne as you mentioned they needed the win because they hadn't won in their last three games they'd lost at home against Heidelberg the draw against Thunder the draw against Eastern Lions a very mm. very important win for them and Wade Decker just continuing his really solid form some lovely taken goals their attack is still very much in full throttle right now defensively you know they've been a bit susceptible in the past few weeks but much needed three points coming up against Altona's side who have, along with Eastern Lions, the worst attack in the competition this year. Only 14 goals. A good defense, but going forward, they're really lacking. Yeah, none of unfortunately, none of the striking options that they've either brought in this season or midway through last year have, have clicked for them. Dimi Hatsumaratis hasn't really worked. Peter Skipetis, I think, has been um, a bit of a... What, what's the word for a transfer that doesn't go the right? A bust. That's what I'm looking yeah, for. Yeah, well, you could have and just said it, Lockie. No, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what it was. Yeah. Escape my grasp. Um, and Tommy Semi has been really promising, but he just can't finish. He's yeah. got all the other attributes, but it's just the final final touch that's mm. letting him down, unfortunately. But he is a good player. I think he can still show something. But, yeah, that's been a big issue for them. But, yeah, Wade Decker, he has scored 14 goals for the campaign. Outright lead at the moment. He scored... 10 of them in three games. Incredible. Three hat-tricks and one of them a four-goal haul against Avondale. It's just, it is a quite ridiculous they, they come season in waves, he's having. They, they yeah. really, they come in waves. Um, Lockie, we've got to continue rushing through these games. So let's get to our game of the round. It was Sunday afternoon at Olympic Village. Two old rivals going head-to-head. Heidelberg United, three. Melbourne Knights, two. The man who was all over it on Sunday afternoon. He was uh, supposed to be joined by Craig Filer on Sunday. Uh, we're not forgetting about that. Uh, Josh Parrish, welcome back to FNR. Great to have you on board today. Um, a really, really fun contest on Sunday afternoon. I can't believe you gents have just outed Craig Filer after he's been <laughs> watching the stream. I've seen his comments popping up. Oh, that's absolutely brutal. No, um, Craig has gutted to miss it, I'm sure, because it was such a splendid game. Uh, I had the solo call, of course, uh, Blakey and Jay fought on the Heidelberg stream to, to keep me company. Um, and it, they were absolutely wrapped with Heidelberg's performance. And so they should be because that was the best I've seen Heidelberg play all season, especially in the first half. Uh, they were really dynamic and yeah, it was a fabulous game. Really, really end to end. Great, great watch on a Sunday, Arvo. What were your thoughts, I guess, on that first half, uh, Josh? I mean, they, they surged out of the blocks. Kane Shepard, Adrian Zara, Sean Ellis, you know, really putting them, you know, on the front foot early. I guess, what were some of those things that you really liked from Heidelberg in this game? Was it mainly what they were doing going forward? Yes, uh, I think they've, occasionally being a slog to watch this season, even when they've been competitive because uh, they rely a lot on set pieces and just the endless barrage of long throws, which has worked for South Melbourne. But I think it's been a mixed bag for Heidelberg this season. Uh, Reuben way wasn't in the starting 11 uh, this week. He's their usual long throw specialist. And they only attempted one. I think they tried to do a bit more in open play. Uh, and I think it worked for them. The other big factor for them is, uh, is the return of Sean Ellis to full yep. full fitness. He 
clearly his body was not right to begin the year and he was in and out of the starting lineup. Um, so, you know, he's, he's there their playmaker their technical wizard but also josh pin starting to to find his form uh he might be the fastest player in the league uh you know he's taken a little while to settle but his speed was absolutely unbelievable breaking the line getting in behind knight's defense in every transition opportunity every time steve bebich's side tried to step up and play a higher line uh, the uh, Josh Pin was just outpacing them, and he got in behind twice for two assists in the first half, and just looked a genuine menace. So um, yeah, positive signs for, for Heidelberg to be sure. I also think, and it's not Luka Ninkovic's fault, the, the, his mere presence on the field seems to tempt his teammates into more long balls. Uh, but the fact that he was on the bench meant their only obvious target man up front was Kane Shepard, who we know likes to drop a lot deeper, play with his back to goal, pick up the ball in, in deeper areas and combine rather than stand and, and contest with the centre-backs. And that led them to keeping the ball on the deck a lot more often. Um, so they were, they were much better to watch. Um, and yeah, the intensity and speed that they played with, especially on the counter-attack was fabulous. If you are watching in uh, via the Facebook Live or Twitter or Twitch or wherever it is you may be coming through. Keep, make sure you keep your comments coming through. If you've got any questions for Josh as well, feel free to let us know. Uh, Craig Filer, I just want to touch back on him because we've already put our first <laughs> nose out of joint here. Uh, four, four, four minutes ago, Sharks are my dark horses. Adam Piddick has got a very decent young squad who played decent football. Two minutes ago, that's it. I am out. Uh, so sorry, Craig. I hope you're still there. We hope to chat to you on this program. Apologies, Craig. Sometime Apologies. in the future. Also, uh, Fijian football is overseas, saying that he he has a. Uh, some rumours that, that Joe Knowles has been contacted by Pacific clubs. So wow. that is that is very, very interesting. Does Pacific but, counts as in maybe New Zealand clubs? Maybe we're looking at... I don't know. That, maybe that's some, that's uh, maybe one to ask Fijian footballers overseas. Yeah. But anyway, I want to get back to another player who has been uh, electric in the last few weeks, not just Joe Knowles, but the, Josh Pin, the J Pin. The J Pin. Josh. Um, you mentioned him there. It's just so interesting because he, he took quite a while to sort of kick into gear, uh, having come down, I think, from Queensland. Queensland, Um, But he gets his first goal against uh, Bentley three weeks ago and then out of nowhere, scores against Oakley, assists as well for Kane Shepard, and then two assists as well in this game. I mean, he has made such a big difference. And you've gone from, at the start of the year, having a bit of difficulty, Kane Shepard sort of having to do it all himself. Now you've got a front three of Ellis, Shepard, and the J-Pin. That is... Very, very exciting. And they've really clicked into great form to, to see out the year. I mean, can you see them, you know, they've gotten into the six now. Can you see them pressing even higher than that, potentially? I think they will be a potential spoiler in the finals. Let me put it that way. I mean, a lot of it depends on the fitness of their key players. Uh, Ivan Franic uh, went off late with what looked like a hamstring injury. Mm. And I don't think they have an obvious replacement for him at right back in the squad. Not someone who does the same things that Ivan Franic does. Uh, and he takes a lot of the corners and set pieces for them, uh, Franic. So, I mean, we all know former soccer, he's going to be a big loss. Um, I think him shifting back to his natural position at right back, uh, as opposed to starting in midfield has been a big factor for them. Um, Cause he's, he provides, yeah, a lot of uh, good width on that, that side. And um, you know, he's just more comfortable there. Um, but yeah, having that, dynamic front three with Shepard dropping deep and then pin getting in behind Ellis being the playmaker on the ball. I think that's a a fabulous balance that they've struck now. So, you know, 
the the number one rule of MPL Victoria is never count out George Katsakis's sides, <laughs> and they might be hitting form at the right time. Um, whether they'll be an actual title contender, you know, I'm not sure. But in the finals, I wouldn't necessarily want to play them, not if they're playing like this. I mean, they've beaten in this sort of run that they've gotten into now. They have beaten Oakley and South Melbourne. Yeah. I mm. mean, Josh, just about Melbourne Knights. I mean, they've had a very – I think it's been a very disappointing few seasons for Melbourne Knights in terms of where they would hope to be uh, at, with the, the stature of the club that they are. Another loss, two losses in a row are off the back of beating South Melbourne a few weeks ago where, you know, it looked like a bit of green shoots for them. Uh, what did you take out of their performance? Because, I mean, they still scored twice. They showed enough fight to get back into the game. But defensively, again, they've brought themselves undone. Yeah, I think you said it there, Nick. Um, they've been very open at the back, um, especially in this match. Um, I, I spoke to a couple of the, the Knights guys afterwards and it was sort of same old story. We play well, we lose, we play badly, we lose. It doesn't seem to matter. And they actually had, they actually played some really good football against Heidelberg, believe it or not. You know, they, they were completely outplayed in, I guess, the last 25 minutes of the first half and basically dug themselves a hole. But then in the second half, they lifted considerably. They got themselves back into the game. Luka Tselic, uh, um, trying to get my Croatian C's no, pronounced it. correctly on that one. Um, he, he, I think he's a fabulous footballer, um, very laconic in style and maybe doesn't necessarily suit the hustle and bustle of MPL Victoria, but um, classy player for sure. I like George Ott, who they've brought in recently, the Kiwi striker. Uh, he didn't have much in this game, didn't get much of a sniff, but you could just tell that he's got pedigree. Every time he got near the ball, he looked sharp and he's, he's good in the air, very quick. He's, he's got all the tools, um, but I, I think they're lacking in midfield. Uh, Anthony Giselle's inconsistency um, and, you know, in and out with injuries over the last couple of years has been a big factor. I don't think Thierry Iridakunda has kicked on in the way that you'd hope, especially on the ball. He's always been a great tackler, uh, but what he does when he gets the ball is, is the issue sometimes. And Giselle, you know, he was a tale of two halves for him because he was absolutely anonymous in the first half, did not impact the game whatsoever, and Melbourne Knights were completely outplayed. He got on the ball loads in the second half, and played a beautiful through ball uh, in the lead up for um, Trevor Semakula to square it across for uh, for Knight's second goal. Um, it was an absolutely beautiful eye of the needle pass um, and was much better in the second 45 and, and the Knights looked rejuvenated. So, you know, he's kind of a bellwether for them sometimes. Um, yeah, I think they've there's little fit issues all over the park. There's signings that haven't worked out. Uh, Anthony Frangi and Fuki Ishibashi, I believe, have departed the yep. club. So two big misses on those those two signings. Everyone thought Frangi was going to tear up the league and it just, you know, he hasn't settled. Um, so, yeah, a lot lots to think about for, for Steve Berbich, but uh, how much patience the club has with him because he's had a while in charge now is, is a big question. Josh, before we let you go, let's go to MPL 3. Uh, obviously, you know, you're still uh, well and truly entangled with Preston Lions. Great job to both of you at the, uh, the Preston Lions Gala night on, <laughs> on Saturday night. We're both night. still recovering as well. Uh, um, <laughs> Josh, uh, a big win for Preston on the weekends. They're, I believe they're still second. They, they've or jumped they into second, jumped I into think. second because I wasn't sure if that was early in the weekend. Um, but a 1-0 win over Geelong on the weekend. Um, I mean, good signs for them at least that they're right in the mix for promotion this year. But I guess just holistically, how have you seen MPL 3 this season? 
Oh, it's so tight at the top. Uh, I don't blame you for not knowing where Preston were on the ladder because there's only <laughs> a few points separating yeah. the top four teams. Melbourne City have created a little bit of a gap this week. Um, but, you know, before that, it was only four points separating the top four. Uh, Preston have vaulted Western United and now victory on goal difference to sit in second place. Um, Melbourne City do look like the most consistent team in the league, uh, but it's so, so tight. Anything could really happen. And Preston have this bank of home games um, to play out the season, which is their big advantage, their ace in the hole, if you will. Um, because uh, what happened was, if people aren't aware, that they, they had their pitch resurfaced in the offseason. They weren't sure if it was going to be ready uh, for the first half of the year. So in order to minimize the amount of games they would have to play at neutral venues, they backloaded their fixture with home games. It ended up being fine, and they ended up playing a home game in round three against Geelong, funnily enough. Uh, but that means that the schedule is heavily at home. And for Preston, that matters more than almost any other side because their home pitch is more different to any other team, mm. MPL 3's team, team's home pitch. Like it, it's there's a huge difference week to week playing on that massive pristine deck at BT Connor versus going away to grounds like Doverton, uh, where it's a lot tighter and a lot bumpier and the style of football is completely different. And the conditions really played a big part on Friday night against Geelong. It was very boggy. It was very tight. Geelong put up a hell of a fight and it was an extremely scrappy game. Um, but to keep the clean sheet, to come out away with a 1-0 win, they'll be very happy with that. Um, but yeah, it's the it's Preston versus the the three A-League youth teams for uh, for promotion contention. Well, speaking of those three A-League youth teams, Josh, obviously you haven't just had a chance to watch a lot of MPL 3, but also specifically of the academy sides. And we did have a question come through uh, pre-show from Oz Football Stats who asks, with the three A-League academies uh, near the top of the table in the MPL 3, uh, which players have caught your eye as as potential first teamers for next season? Now I'm going to steal in ahead of you and suggest one from Melbourne Victory that I know you're going to say, uh, who is Will Wilson. He's been brilliant in all of the games <laughs> I've seen him play this season. And Oscar Oscar Rutherford, who's watching on uh, producing for us, might also have a bit to say about Will Wilson. But from your perspective, Josh, from the uh, academy sides, who stands out as as players that could could make the leap? Well, it's funny. I mean, the games where I've seen Victory play, I've been hugely impressed with Aaron Anderson, but he's just had his contracts yes. uh, mm. not renewed. He's going to be leaving. So uh, that surprised me, to be honest. I mean, he's at that age where he can no longer be on a youth deal. Um, so, But, you know, he's also a central defender and it's harder to break through as a young central defender when you're you know, 21. So, you know, he might get left behind, unfortunately, but I, I think he's played really well this year. I feel season. like NPL sides um, should be queuing up for him. I think. Yeah, well, if, if not, a, if not another A League side, yeah. to be honest. We we thought the same about Matt Bosanowski. Um, and yeah, he's still on contract, but he went on loan to Wellington and, and barely played. Yeah. It's just tough for young defenders. Um, in yeah. terms of the other teams, well, actually, in terms of victory, I mean, Leighton Brooks just is just an absolute star every time he plays. I don't think that's news because he's had A League appearances, but I think he should be involved with the first team squad far more often than he is personally. I, I just think he's, he's got star potential um, in terms of the other two youth Academy sides. I haven't seen as much of Melbourne city as I would like, uh, but just on sheer statistics alone, I mean, Arian Suleimani is the top scorer in the competition, 11 goals in 13 games. Uh, it's an exceptional return for his, mm. uh, his first season, I think really with the, uh, uh, the reserve side in, in MPL three um, and Max Caputo hasn't played as many games, but five in seven is a really good goal return for 
uh, a young striker who, um, yeah, has is very highly rated there. I think he's had a red card and some injury problems and so forth. Um, then on the Western United side of things, um, I think we've got one obvious guy, and that's the striker in Jake Nadovsky, who we mm. spoke to on the green room earlier yes. this season and reckoned he was going to get 20 goals. Well, he's got nine in 14. That's not a bad return. He's not actually as far off the pace as uh, we thought he might be with that ambitious goal. But um, the other player I really like from the Western United youth side is Sabit James or Sabit Newell, depending on... Now, his name is written out on the team sheet week to week, um, but he, he's a very skillful attacking midfield winger, um, can play in a variety of different positions, has great balance and technique and is just exciting to watch. So, yeah, there's there's a few guys floating around. Uh, I'm sure you'll see them pop up on A-League benches next season. Uh, Melbourne City, I think their dominance in the league is down more to their overall strength and depth rather than due to... A number of individuals uh, but yeah there's still a couple of names from each side that really pop out at you well josh thank you so much for joining us here on the inaugural edition of the npl victoria pod here on fnr football nation radio great to have you back in by the way obviously via zoom but uh hopefully we can get you in again sometime very very soon and uh we'll chat more about i guess all the going on with npl and hopefully this time as well we can get you joined with craig as well maybe give craig a chance to respond so <laughs> wow. we don't i just want craig filer to know i've had nothing to do with the oh, drive i'm just this is not a drive-by <laughs> this is me giving craig a platform to respond so no this is not a drive-by at all but josh thank you so much thanks guys always a pleasure Josh Parrish joining us on the show to chat about the game of the round between uh, Heidelberg and Melbourne Knights, but also Cassie's eye to MPL3. Um, we're almost running out of time. So what we're going to do is we're going to zoom through this last little bit now. We're going to actually bring Oscar Rutherford in um, to chat a little bit about Melbourne victory. Um, Oscar, obviously you've been keeping a very keen eye on Melbourne victory's youth side over the past couple of months. And Josh mentioned William Wilson, which was, I guess, one of the, the, the names everyone's going to be talking about because he just signed his professional contract and Leighton Brooks has been one of them. But what about some of the lesser likes? Because, I mean, everyone could talk about the players we've already seen at A-League level, but there are a few players that are really putting their best foot forward, at least, that we haven't seen yet. Yeah, 100%. Let me just say first and foremost, I'm glad that the way of getting me involved in this show was to do it in a manner where my face isn't visible, which I Well, respect. you can come in. No, no, no. This, is, this, is, this is Lockie's Look, decision. I, I'm saying that oh, I... It's not my decision at all. I just put a microphone out there for you. You can come in and use one of the ones in here if you like. No, no, no. I think it's for the benefit of the show, so I'm not criticising oh, that. Wow. Well. We Drive didn't say that. on yourself. I, I, yeah, I, 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 I support your decisions and your choices. Yeah, but, but to respond to your question, Nick, yeah, I have been keeping a, a fairly close eye on, on the Victory MPL team. Uh... Obviously, as you say, Josh, th there are players who have played at the A-League men's level who we know and that we're familiar with, the likes of Leighton Brooks. And, of course, you mentioned Will Wilson we, we, we've been talking about. If we're looking a bit deeper than that, digging a bit deeper into the team, uh, I've been a big fan for quite a while of Jackson Lino in particular. He's, of course, mm. joined the academy. His uh, brother Franco is also there, and he's been impressing. And so we've seen on quite a number of occasions Jackson and Franco play alongside each other, and they look really composed and, and really impressive on the ball. Uh, beyond that, I mean, I, I should mention Luca Perjo as well because we haven't mentioned his name. He's obviously, we, we know what he can do and, and, and the quality he possesses. The one other name I'd throw in there would be Adjem uh, Giradovic, who has been on a bit of a scoring streak in recent weeks. He's, I, I think he actually rather fits the A-League men's mould in lots of ways. He kind of reminds me of Nick D'Agostino in the way that he is a fairly direct, straightforward striker who scores goals, uh, 
in a you know a straightforward fashion. So I think he's one to, to keep an eye on, and he's in some good form at the moment. Scored victory's goal on the weekend at, at, at Box Hill. So there, there are lots of players kind of floating in and out of the side, and of course you get the more senior players who might be unavailable for certain periods of time, like at the moment, uh, the likes of Leighton Brooks and Nishan Balupale and uh, Jay Barnett aren't available for the team. Uh, so that, that's a really exciting opportunity to see some of the kind of the, the, the crop underneath those sets of players, and so we're, we're getting to see more and more of them. I'll shout out one more being Ryan Lethleen. Mm. Uh, he, he's a ginormous man. And he, <laughs> he is. <laughs> he's can back huge. That up. He, he is a large individual, and, and you know he, he he is consistently reliable at the back, and obviously you know deals with set pieces and everything. But he he he's I think another one who I wouldn't be surprised at all to see him get some time, perhaps in the A League men's in the next season or two. Well, Oscar, obviously the game live streamed here on FNR this Saturday. I'll be heading down to Epping, hanging out down there with with Oscar. Oscar. Um, before we let you go, just predictions for that game. Do you see Victory uh, continuing their solid run of form, getting back on the winning list after the, the draw against Box Hill against a team who has struggled this year in Springvale? Um, obviously, being at home, a good opportunity for them to at least keep the pace with the top two. Yeah, look, and uh, I mean, I did just allude to the fact that there are a lot of players who we've seen relatively consistently this season who weren't available, for example, against Box Hill. So we're getting to see some some newer, newer players, the likes of uh, Simopoulos, James Seacrest in the goal, Paddy Hogan at right back. So, so there are new, new faces in this victory team. There's a, just a constant rotation, which is really exciting. Um, I, I would expect victory to, to come back and pull out another win this weekend. Um, you know, the, the, the Box Hill game was really tough and Box Hill made things really difficult and, and full credit to, to Box Hill and the way they went about things. Stewie Edgar in particular was, was a constant threat. So, but, but you know, I, I think Springvale, a team who... I was looking, I don't think they've kept a clean sheet yet this season. So I, I would expect victory to bounce back and, and put, put, put another win on the table and, and keep pace. I think they're currently four points behind Melbourne City. So I imagine that title race or that promotion race will remain tight. Well, keep your eye on the FNR socials on Saturday afternoon, 3 p.m. at Epping Stadium. Going to be a massive contest for victory and also for Springvale. But uh, Oscar again. Thank you. We'll get you on board again every week. Don't you worry. You're going to be coming in here. We're going to get your face on, on, on the screen. Don't, listen, don't, listen, don't let this guy bully you. Don't let this do guy bully you. Well, Lockie, you're going to throw me under the bus. I'm going to throw you under the bus as well. But anyways, um, Lockie, let's take a look at NPR Women's. Yes. Um, Pakua Frimpong is joining us or what? I think we might have some some audio yes. for, of, of Pakua giving a, a post-match report. But while I, uh, while I let you... Search around for that. I'll go through the the rest of the uh, the MPL women's results. Um, obviously, as we mentioned, Boleyn getting the three 0 win over Alamein. Uh, Calder United seven one over Bayside United. But interestingly, in this game, obviously Calder dominated. They won, but they were down. They were goal oh, wow. down after the seventh minute. Yeah. Uh, Julia Budiongo. Uh, catching the colder defence out in transition, which, if it sounds insane, it's because it is. Because colder have gone the last, I think, seven games. One, two, three, four. Yeah, seven games without conceding a single goal. They've kept seven straight clean sheets. They've conceded only before this game three goals for the whole year. And then Bayside United, the last place team in the MPLW, are the one to break that streak. And it was Julia Budiongo. Uh, as I mentioned, who got the goal. Meanwhile, uh, FE emerging with a slightly surprising 1-0 win over Box Hills. Ellie Vlamink 
scoring a, a corner scrap to get FE emerging a nice little win that puts them back up in the uh, the com- well they're into the top four now they've leapfrogged Alamein so they're well and truly in the conversation for a final spot which I think you know even even a month a month and a half ago not many people would have given them a sniff of doing that and the other game of course was Heidelberg United up against South Melbourne um, we might have a chance to maybe bring Oscar back in because he of course did this game. Uh, out at Olympic Village, You're Oscar back. Heidelberg three, <laughs> South Melbourne one. Give us uh, your thoughts on that performance. Yeah, you couldn't go along without me. Fair enough. No, uh, no. This this was actually a really really fun game at Olympic Village. Of course, had Josh talking about being there on the Sunday. That th- this game was on on the Saturday afternoon, uh, between of course two traditional rivals in Heidelberg and South Melbourne, and they really put out a fantastic show. I think I was particularly impressed with South Melbourne because obviously they they started the season quite poorly and have struggled. Uh, in in the early phases, not kind of meeting the expectations that we'd perhaps set for them. But they, they're looking like a much improved side. They've been putting together a more decent run of form over the last month or so. And, and they were arguably the better team for the first half and were somewhat unlucky to go into the break 1-0 down uh, thanks to a Steph Galea header. So I, I think South Melbourne deserve credit and Sam Young deserves credit for the way that they, they look like they're starting to pick up their form a bit. And of course, the nature of this competition with only eight teams, South Melbourne are still well and truly in the finals race if they can put together a decent run over the, the, the next month or so, or the next couple of months. Uh, but of course, Heidelberg with the team who got the win, John O'Clemente's side continue strolling through. Ah, strolling's, strolling's a bit harsh, but they continue to impress the, the difference between the Heidelberg that we saw last season or in seasons gone by and the Heidelberg this season, I think, is stark. Uh, Steph Galea leading the way, the captain consistently being, you know, offering a really impressive leadership role. Uh, Eve Tiktakakis is the player I want to shout out. She's a, a really young fullback and she's earned her spot in the starting 11 and, and does regularly impress. A- and she had a really tough, tough task this weekend against Jana Lawson and won some battles, lost others, but she, she's a really exciting player. But of course, Danielle Wise made the difference in this game. She has scored a couple of late goals, a couple of heartbreakers, if you will, for South Melbourne, but that's the nature of this Heidelberg team under John O'Clemente. They, they have fight, they have spirit, they have resilience, and, and they come back even when they're coming up against really tough opposition as they were in South Melbourne on Saturday. Oops, sorry, my audio got cut out for just a second. Well, thank you again, Oscar, for that one. Forgot to turn my button on on that occasion. But but Oscar, thank you again. Um, and again, we'll get you in studio next week. Don't, don't, don't let Lockie bully you. But um, we're going to now cross over to Bakua Frimpong, who was at the Alamein versus Bulleen game on the weekend to get her thoughts on the contest. Looking back on this week's MPL fixture between Alamein FC and Bullion FC, a really exciting game between both teams, but kind of deceiving if you were just to look at the end score result with Bullion coming out 3-0 victors. They were probably lucky to get away with that 3-0 victory because the Alamein had some really good moments and were probably unlucky not to score early in that second half. But looking back on that first half, it was really uneven from both teams. Both teams really struggled early on to gain any real sort of possession. But the first team to do so was Bulleen. And when they did get that possession, they scored with a really excellent Jankowski goal. And that kind of led her onto a really a quality game with scoring two goals and kind of putting Bulleen over the line. Every time she seemed to get on the ball, it was just real pressure for that Alamein defence. They really struggled to just keep her under control and, you know, stop her from feeding the ball into Leah Privatelli. But for Alamein, it was a really unlucky game because they were only 1-0 down at half-time and 
heading in at the start of that second half, they were they were they were good. They were really dominant. And they had a lot of possession. They had the momentum, but they struggled to consolidate. And a player that kind of embodied that was Richelli, who found herself in some really dangerous um, territory, but every time just seemed to find herself offside. And had she probably stayed onside a little bit more, I think Alame would have, had they scored early in that second half, would have been in for really exciting last 20 minutes. The defence of Alamein were relatively good throughout the entire game. They didn't give away too many clear-cut chances for Boleyn, but they had really three key errors and that led to those really easy goals for Boleyn. Looking at the Boleyn side, Privatelli, Lee Privatelli, excellent player and she showed yet again why she's a cut above the rest in this competition she was really lively getting her midfielders and attack the her fellow, fellow attackers into the play but just quality upon quality upon quality from her and she finally got that goal that she deserved and once she scored that it was relatively comfortable for them another standout player for Berlin was Taylor Vlanic who just kind of was everywhere all at once and she was really dominant in that first half and seemed to be the source of all the attacking momentum for Berlin and I think that was what set them apart in that first half they just had a player who was just willing to drive and drive and just kind of knew what to do all the time for both for both sides they probably look at this game and think Berlin probably will think this was a really good game for us it was a tough opponent 3-0 victory excellent for Alamein they probably look back and say if we just had kept our composure in certain moments we probably would have got a point out of this game or even taken the three points but an interesting game nonetheless and uh, I'm very excited to see how these teams progress in the rest of the competition. Well, that was Pakua Frimpong joining us to tell us a little bit about Alamein versus talk Bulling back. Game. That was Pakua's Fantastic. talk back. Uh, we'll get the uh, the talk back lines open yeah, on this show in, in future weeks. So you'll be able to call in on double nine, double four, double nine, double nine. But we'll make sure we get that one sorted out. Lockie, we're, we're almost out of time here. Quickly on to MPL 2. Um, incredible weekend of action. The title race Absolutely. and promotion race has been just... Flat out bonkers. We did the Bulleen versus Moreland Zebras game on Monday night. Bulleen 3, Moreland Zebras 2. Or not Moreland Zebras, sorry, anymore. Brunswick Juventus, please. Um, please. What an incredible, incredible contest. Bulleen, when it looked like it was going to be a 2-2 draw. Well, it just looked like it wasn't going to be a very good game. Yeah, then the, the then halftime whistle happened. Uh, Jay Kelly changed. scored five minutes into the second half. And then um, um, Max Batchelor. Max Batchelor got them back ahead. Fraser Chalmers spilt yeah, the beans. It was a rainy day. So both keepers were having a, a big trouble dealing yeah. with, with balls, particularly like a mid-range. They yeah. kept spilling into the turf. And I think that really made the difference on the day. Like once Suk Choi uh, for Bulleen came up with some excellent saves. Well, as you called it, where, decent. <laughs> decent saves. Uh, where Fraser Chalmers just simply wasn't able to. Yeah. And then obviously Jay Kelly got the equaliser for 2-2. And right from kickoff, <clears throat> literally from kickoff, and this, this is not an exaggeration, Bulleen took the ball in the opposite direction. Uh, Samuel McCall was the man who made the run forward, and then Ben Everson eventually the player to provide yeah, the finish. Me. It was absolutely ridiculous, and in many ways it was it was just the NPL 2. Yeah. The NPL 2 was just like that, and now Bulleen uh, leapfrog um, Brunswick Juventus yeah. and Pasco Vale into third place. Obviously only one point between Paco and Bulleen. And Back three road, points yeah. behind Moreland 
And North Geelong are now in the frame as well after two back-to-back games where they've dropped points. A loss yeah. to Brunswick and a draw late on in stoppage time with uh, with Langey as well. Yeah, absolutely. And Moreland City winning back-to-back games at home after that 8-0 drubbing on the road And they left it Pauline. late against yes, North they, City. they did. And as well, Pasco Val defeating GV Suns as well on Saturday. So yes. it shapes up for a massive weekend there. Um, Lockie... We've got to say goodbye here, though, because we've actually got Paco Radio starting right on the other side of this. Big, big show planned there. Um, so really looking forward to chatting to the guys about what's been happening at the club. Yes, in the last, in the last absolutely. Week so. You'll get a chance to hear more NPL 2. Before we go, we did tease it at the start of the show, so I'm going to close it out. In case you haven't seen it, Avondale have announced their big signing, and it was, uh, it was not Giancarlo Galifuoco, you idiot, Lockie. Uh, Golgo Mabratu. So that was the GG. I should have seen that coming. <laughs> uh, look, as someone who has, is a big fan of Golgo Mabratu, very excited to see that. Not sure how it works for Avondale, another forward coming into the rotation. I don't really know, but it's interesting, and we'll get to talk about it when maybe he plays his first game this weekend. Uh Next week. And may I add, this is another player to add to your collection yes. of I players. Have to go you off got to Twitter. All right, we're going to end the show now because yeah. I got to go to Twitter. All right. Well, anyways, no, we're not just going to go because of that. We've got another show literally yes. just about to start. But we'll be back again next week. Um, head over to our podcast platforms for all the show. But thank you for everyone who listened, got involved. Uh, thank you to Oscar Rutherford. Thank you to Bakul Frimpong. Thank you to Josh Parrish as well. And hopefully, we'll be able to get Wade Decker on next week as well. But from myself, Nick Tabana, and Lockie Flanagan, it's goodbye for now. 